Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Pallotta. Thanks for joining us. The Landscape is brought to you with support of Delta Dental of Ohio. There's more information at deltadentaloh.com. The Northeast Ohio art scene is not only important from a cultural perspective, but an economic one as well. The government agency Cuyahoga Arts and Culture helps to distribute funding to individual artists as well as arts organizations in our area. We're glad to be joined by Jill Paulson, CAC's Executive Director. Jill, thanks for being with us. Great. Thank you so much, Dan. It's nice to be here. You've been with CAC for about 13 years. You took the top spot in February 2020, just before the pandemic hit. You had the role as an interim director for a couple of years before that. How, what have you learned about leadership now that you've had this role for a while? Yeah, well, talk about a time to step into leadership. <laughs> you know, yeah, a month or two before a global pandemic. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is like focusing on the why, looking at the big picture. And for us at CAC, as a public funder of nonprofits, our why is funding the arts to strengthen community. And so that really has been the focus and the guide for us, you know, for me, these last couple of years as both interim and now permanent director here, so about four years in total. But it's, you know, as we move through a pandemic, as we move through real racial reckoning in our, you know, across the country, it's been important for us to stay focused on the why. And here at CC, it's how arts and culture can make lives better for all the residents. So I think that's been a big piece of it. I, I'd also say, Dan, that for us, we're a funder, right? We don't do art, make art, throw festival or, you know, host festivals, put Um, gallery shows on, we're the ones who provide the money to the people who do the real work. And that's probably about 250 to 300 nonprofits per year. And so I think the other thing that I've learned over the last couple of years is this idea of being open, clear, transparent, hopefully trusting, working in service, right? We're a public agency. So when I say CAC is your public funder, it means we're responsible to you. So I think that's the other piece that I've spent a lot of time thinking about and trying to implement the last couple of years is positioning the organization, shaping the organization and helping lead it in a way that people see themselves in the work. And yeah, you know, we can get into some of the impacts of COVID here if you want to later in the conversation, but this was an important couple of years for us to provide stability to the groups that, that we fund because frankly, they lost a lot. And they're still working, some of them, you know, to to get through these next stages. So being open and providing stable funding as much as possible has been huge. It's interesting. I mean, we've had a lot of conversations on the landscape about how the pandemic affected particular organizations and businesses. And some were able to continue as they had been working before. But in the issue of arts and culture, you can stream some things and artists did those sorts of things depending on what their what their medium was. But at the end of the day, it's about audiences coming in. It had to be so difficult for so many artists just to survive during this period. Yeah, I mean, definitely. If you've heard me talk about COVID and the pandemic and arts and culture before, I always reference this McKinsey study that came out towards the beginning of the pandemic. And I have to say, I wasn't sure I believed it when I first saw it, Dan, because it said, you know, arts and culture, creative economy, we don't anticipate it's recovering. We're talking from a balance sheet perspective from dollars and cents until 2025. So here we were sitting in 2020 and I'm thinking five years wow, I just thought I had to pull my kid out of school for three weeks, (laughs) right? Right. And so so it was clear from the start, we had those warning signals, this is going to be something that affects the nonprofits we fund for a long time. And frankly, we're seeing that, right? We we saw over 5,000 jobs and people impacted just in the groups we fund. During those couple of years of the peak pandemic, we saw people 
organizations that we fund losing $170 million in revenue, right, that they would have been used to get, you know, been, been getting through, as you said, ticket sales, people coming to visit, that just wasn't happening. So we do always like to pivot and say, hey, yeah, um, people are creative. These are the creative folks. They went online. They figured out how to gather outdoors. But it, it is important that we acknowledge how tough it has been. It's also been tough on morale, right? It's hard to retain staff. It's hard to attract audiences. We're seeing some folks, particularly those that are older, are just still not as always as interested in coming back. So while many folks might be vaccinated, we're, we're feeling like we're in a place where we have some control now. Numbers aren't back necessarily at all organizations in, in the way that we had had hoped. When we talk about the economic impact of CAC in the arts community, just how large is it in terms of the economic impact on the on, on Cuyahoga County? Sure, sure. So we're actually awaiting in a couple of months, we'll get some results from our partners assembly and a study they're doing with Americans for the Arts and a national advocacy group on um, some more up-to-date economic impact information. But we do know from the work that we do with organizations, when we fund organizations, probably 70, 75% of the funding goes, and that's, you know, at this point, 12, $13 million a year is going to jobs in Cuyahoga County, right? It's going to local artists, artist fees, arts administrators, people working at entities that we fund. So we know it is having a direct impact on jobs. Um, the largest institutions did their own economic impact study a couple, you know, probably about a year ago, and and their numbers you can find them online. But they were able to demonstrate, you know, I'm talking five five hundred, five hundred fifteen million dollars in direct spending, total direct spending in, in community. So it makes a difference. But I think for CAC too, when we pull back, our focus around public benefit is yes, connecting people and jobs and a strong economy, but it's also and how do people feel like they belong? How do they have arts as a tool to make this community just and fair? And how do you have the arts to improve arts education, right? I, you know, I mentioned my daughter, but the, the amount of touch points she's had with arts and culture, and in particular, the nonprofits that we fund, be it through going to school in Cleveland or from living downtown and, and getting to walk to the Children's Museum or come see a play downtown, it's been amazing. So I know I can speak firsthand to the difference that it's making in quality of life and, and what it's making for education as well. When you talk about education, how many artists are you able to get into schools and things like that? Because so many schools, especially if they have tough times, one of the first things that seems to get cut is arts education. Sure, sure. So maybe I'll pull back for a second and just a, a detail, but it's one that I think people often overlook. CAC can only fund nonprofits, so we don't fund artists directly. I see. So okay. when we say, you know, artists, that we support, it's always through the nonprofits that we fund. So when there are quite a few organizations that have artists, artists in residence, after school programs, we're usually the ones providing them flexible operating support that from there they can choose to put artists and arts educators in the schools. I know during the pandemic, we saw quite a few groups really pivot and say, yes, we are providers and producers and creators of arts and culture, be it on stage or in galleries. But we are also going to be that stopgap to help provide services and safe space for children um, during the pandemic. So we've seen some real success. I know as a parent of a student in CMSD, we've seen some real growth, believe it or not, over the last couple of years in spending on arts and culture 
as part of the Cleveland plan. So, you know, is there room for improvement? Yes. Do we all want more arts in our schools? For sure. But I think as we see our role at CAC, it's about providing flexible funding to as many nonprofits as possible so they feel strong enough to do those missions, some of which are, are working in schools. And some are which, you know, we, what I didn't talk about is our, our definition is so broad, it includes history, it includes nature and science. So again, back to your question about impact of COVID, we saw a lot of our grantees who do work outdoors, you know, if they're nature centers in Bay Village or nature center in Shaker Lakes or the science center downtown, I mean, they were able to stay open and continue to provide what we would call arts and culture to community all throughout the pandemic. One of the things the Cuyahoga Arts and Culture is facing is that your question of your funding. You, this all grew out of a tax from 2006 on cigarettes that was used to support CAC and the arts and culture community. But that tax is d- being diminished. I should say the revenue is diminishing because people don't smoke as much. So what's going to be the procedure? I know the Ohio legislature has a bill that is going to give Cuyahoga County permission to convert the existing cigarette tax from a per unit tax to a tax based on the percentage of sales and also expand that to vapor products. Have you made a decision about when that might come up on the ballot? Yeah, sure. Well, I do appreciate you acknowledging our revenue going down because it's just the operating environment we're in, right? Who'd want to run a business that you know, 10, 15 years, they've lost 40% of their revenue. It's it's tricky. It makes for difficult decisions. But I think it's also become this really clear signal to the arts community and the community more broadly that we need to do more and do differently. And in this case, as you've noted, ideally work with the legislature to, to look at uh, opportunities to expand the revenue. So yes, we are so excited and working with partnership with assembly and a lot of the groups that we fund that we have this opportunity, but I guess I'd pause and say it's an opportunity. There's a lot of steps between now and when something would get to the ballot. So we're not sure exactly when yet we go to the ballot. That's really the work that our partner assembly will be doing. So we're just at the early stages of figuring out uh, next steps. Um, But then we'll have to work with the county, right? Because it is a ballot initiative. And at all times we have to be the ones that remind residents of the benefits of arts and culture. So it's, too early to tell, but we're working every single day on it. And I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't thank all all the people who've done the work, not just this last year with the governor and the legislature and our local advocates, but, you know, 15 plus years ago, we wouldn't be here, right? I have to remind folks that if, you know, before CAC was created, we were one of the only communities in the country of our size that had no public funding for arts and culture coming from the government. Now, we are not city government, we're not county government, we're on our own little thing, almost like a mini metro parks or a mini library system or school district, Dan. So, you know, we still don't necessarily always have the steady funding coming from the county or the city, but we've got CEC and that's one option. We're gonna work to try to expand what we've got. Stay tuned, you know, I think is, is what I'd say. And then bigger picture, we know that we're one, part of the puzzle, we put one piece of the puzzle, but we fund nonprofits, right? There's a whole other set of of the creative economy. We've got creative businesses, we've got artists, as we've already mentioned, and they do, I think, need and deserve support. We might not be the mechanism to do that, but we need to work together to make sure we draw down some other options that, that frankly, we haven't done over the last 10, 15 years in this community. So stay tuned. Yes, we're excited. It's further than we've gotten in a while, but um, but we've got a lot of due diligence to do before we know exactly what the plan is. This episode of The Landscape is brought to you by Delta Dental of Ohio. With offices in Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Dublin, Delta Dental of Ohio is proud to be an industry leader in dental benefits. 
Together with our customers, providers, and employees, we build a higher standard of oral health care in our communities. And we are more than dental. At Delta Dental of Ohio, we work with entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers who are committed to improving the health and well-being of all Buckeyes. Together, we are building healthy, smart, vibrant communities for all. Joe Paulson joins us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. Jill is the executive director of Cuyahoga Arts and Culture. Jill, CAC's distributed some $230 million in funding since 2007. It's nearly 500 organizations. Tell us about the process for selecting those recipients. How do you go about determining who will receive the money? So our public funding follows a lot of the same model that public entities do across the community and across the country, right? That means we work with organizations, we're almost like the cheerleaders, the advocates, the technical support to get as many nonprofits in the door to apply as possible to our core grant programs, which are operating support. That means really flexible money, keep the lights on, pay the staff, do the work you need to do. Projects, which could be fairs, festivals, making sure we get arts and culture in every neighborhood in the county. And then uh, more recently, a new program, Cultural Heritage, to make sure we get flexible dollars to culturally specific organizations. So. Our core programs, those are those are the programs, and we send, you know, we issue an application. The public can weigh in on the application. That'll be coming up pretty soon here every year. Uh, organizations apply. We cheer them on. We help them on, and then we go through a public panel process. It's streamed online. Uh, the results are all posted. So everything we do has to be in the public, and it becomes a really transparent, clear process. If you want to hear more or see more, you can go to our YouTube page, and you'll see all the recent reviews that have happened of, of the grant programs. And so what it does is it allows us to support organizations that are volunteer run, right? All the way up to the bigs, the big institutions that many of your listeners would probably be recognized and be members of. We're talking Rock Hall, Science Center, um, to the midsize, right? Like the midsize MOCA, Shaker Lakes Nature Center, and the like. So folks apply, they go through a panel process, they receive the funding, we report back on it, and, and it really is, I think, for us, the focus, like I've mentioned, is on how people connect with their community. It's not about your artistic excellence. We kind of just assume folks have got it. As a public funder, we think it's important that, that organizations are thinking about how they serve residents. And so that's what is threads through all of our grant programs. One of the questions that's often raised is the issue of how the funds are allocated in terms of fairness. How do you define what you would say is a fair representation or fair presentation of how you do it? Yeah. So from the beginning, there was always a commitment to saying that CAC wants to make meaningful grants to every organization. So that means if you're a larger institution, you ha you get a large grant, but your your budget is, is pretty large. So it's a smaller percentage of your budget. If you're a small organization, you're getting a larger percentage of your budget, if that makes sense. So it's always with the intent that that people, you know, we want, number one, the most entities to be involved in this public funding. So we've grown the pool over the years from what might have been, you know, less than 100 organizations that first year before I joined here to now supporting, like I said, uh, over 250 organizations a year. Are there ways that we can grow and tweak and change? Sure, definitely. And we're looking at every year about how we make our, our processes simpler for people to understand, easier for them to tune into, and really focused of late on how do we ensure that all organizations that are eligible get in through the process. For us, that's meant an intentional focus on black and brown led institutions. We've really made some real improvements there, but of course that's 
always an area that you need to keep focus on. It's not like a one and done, right? We're also seeing the need to give multi-year commitments. So it's a technical piece. We can't do multi-year grants, but we can, you know, do our budgeting in a way that we can let organizations know, you know, apply every couple of years, do the reporting, get in the door. We trust you. We know you're doing good work. And then we stay in touch. So, you, you know, I think we're always looking to support new and we're also working within a fixed pie or, you know, as you've seen, a, a pie that's diminishing. So it becomes tricky, but it's all the more reason we need to do the advocacy working coalition. Some local artists have contended that only a portion of allocated commitments to individual artists have been dispersed and CAC hasn't been transparent about that funding decision. How do you address that critique? You know, I'm actually glad you asked this, Dan, because I do feel like there's been some misinformation out there. Let me start and say, A, number one, CAC is here to fund nonprofits. We do that because that is legally what we can do according to the Ohio Revised Code. Really technical, not always a fun thing to hear, but it means we need to fund the nonprofits who then some of them can fund artists. I'd argue we, we did our work um, to change the way we fund uh, and support artists through nonprofits about five years ago. And from that time period, we have achieved the goals that were set out by artists. We went through an 18-month comprehensive plan where artists themselves were paid to design our new approach to artist funding. They said they wanted artists to have flexible money. They wanted really to center equity, make sure we had an increase in black and brown artists receiving funding. And frankly, we've gotten that. It used to be 17% of funding going to artists um, that identified as BIPOC. Now we've seen over 80% of the funding going to black and brown artists. So I think the goals that were set out, we're achieving them. Can we do more? Sure. Did we live through a pandemic? Yes. Can we give grants to organizations when they don't apply? No. <laughs> Sometimes people ran programs that took longer, right? We were living through a pandemic or they determined their programs needed to take longer than the year that their grant was. So they needed to, you know, take longer time to do their programs. So I think the biggest piece that I hope people will hear is we do all our work in public. We're always open to change and doing things differently. But I think the, the results, and particularly I'd point, again, this isn't CAC's work, it's Karamu House, it's Julita Burgos, it's Spaces, it's now Assembly. They are doing what the Artists Committee and Coalition asked us to do, you know, back in 1718. So stay tuned. It's kind of an iterative process, right? As a public agency, we need to always respond to what community wants. But if people have specific questions, I, I've, I've reached out to a couple of folks who are... Um, frustrated and said, let's have coffee. Let's talk. Help me understand. What do we need to do better? And um, and we're here to do that. So I'd encourage people to, to reach out and know that we're always trying to improve. Um, but I go back to the, the initial success we've had here the last couple of years has achieved the goals. Flexible funding, more artists of color getting funding, it being an easier process, and more people being involved. And so good success room to grow. And, and, I, and I guess the last thing I'd say is CEC shouldn't be the only source of funding for nonprofits and artists in this community. We're doing a disservice to folks if we focus on our shrinking pie. Yes, it's important we do our part, but there are hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions that, that we're, we've missed out on in the years. I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, back to the COVID piece, we worked with our partners here in, in town to attract dollars from the county, you know, upwards of over 4 million for nonprofits, but a significant 
portion also went to artists in a way that had never gone to artists before. So I would say during COVID, CAC continued to provide funding to nonprofits to support ours. We saw good results, but almost more important is we saw an additional three plus million dollars coming in through our partners at assembly. We worked together to get it, but that's new money that came to artists that had never come before. And it's because we value artists. So that's, that's what we got there. Folks have more questions. Call me, email me. I can't wait to come out and chat and talk more about it. Finally, let me ask you, I just read in the land that the Bibb administration will be creating a post for a senior level arts leader. He'll be the, he or she will be the point person for arts at city hall and be this liaison between artists in the city. Are you excited about this news? A hundred percent. Yeah. We've been working on this for a while with our partners and, you know, before the Bib administration started, there was a group of us who came together and, and met and said, hey, this is our number one priority. Almost every other city of our size has an arts point person in their community, you know, be it a commission, an office. Uh, in this case, maybe, you know, start off with a singular point person who's focused on creative economy policy. It's essential, right? Smart, healthy communities that are equitable and fair, they have creativity you know, threading through all of them. It, it means they're being creative in their public health decision. They're being creative in their budgeting processes. They're being creative in, in the way they think about sanitation and, and dare I say leaf pickup, right? So like the more we have creative in government, I think the, the more we can get at some unique and, and creative solutions to the challenges we're facing. So it's a great first step. We've also got through the city, they've allocated about $3 million for programs they're going to be launching to support arts and artists and creatives. So, you know, stay tuned. They'll have more details there. Again, another example of more money and more focus and attention on the arts than we've ever had. So yeah, hundred percent excited with the administration and council for supporting this. Um, looking forward to having another point person to, to be working with so we can try to do more. Joe, uh, as I let you go, I just thought myself during the pandemic, what would we have done without arts? We spent so much time, whether you were online, just looking at a gallery or streaming, live streaming something or watching a film or, or a play online. You know, it's like this was a lifesaver during this period. Still is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm sitting here in my office, but I'm, I'm staring at an umbrella that I have and it says the city is our museum and it's a land studio initiative. I live downtown. I, you know, I, I, I walked through public art. I, I looked online, you know, we, we got strength. We felt comfort. We in some ways came together, albeit online and sometimes in zoom, but sometimes outside. Yeah. Through the arts, right. That's what the arts can do. I think the arts also challenge and push and, you know, help us move change. And so in addition to COVID, right. When we're talking about at that same time, we had uprisings and the racial reckoning, Arts was there to identify problems, push forward voices that we hadn't heard before. A hundred percent. I think it's been tough for arts and culture throughout the pandemic and, and the people who work in the field and those that benefit, which I'm hoping are nearly all the residents. But I guess to your point, it's nice to reflect on, on the power that arts has in, in helping us heal and look forward for something better than we have today. Jill Paulson, Executive Director of Cuyahoga Arts and Culture. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Joe Paulson joined us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We are presented with support of Delta Dental of Ohio. There's more information at deltadentaloh.com. I'm Dan Paletta for Cranes. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.